0: From Blue Wire Studios today, so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford stepping up, going left side, wants Calvin, got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. By Darius Slade. No one will catch him. touchdown Lions. Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by NFL Sunday Ticket, by Bet Online, and by Deal Dash. So, what's happened on Monday? Honestly, not much if you're the Detroit Lions. It's just another day at work, and that's about it as far as what's gone on on the field. There were no transactions, so. Good news for the Lions from a COVID standpoint in that no one was placed on the COVID reserve list. The Lions have one player left on the COVID-19 reserve list. That is undrafted free agent safety Jalen Elliott. But other than that, it seems like everybody is coming back, at least for the guys who would be out under normal circumstances, which are Romeo Aquara and Austin Bryant, because they are on the NFI and the Pup List. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, there's a couple of things. First, I want to note this. Travis Fulham, who was the Lions' sixth-round pick a year ago, he got waived on yesterday, on Sunday. And then guess what? He got claimed by the cross-division Packers on Monday. Now, that could have happened for a couple of reasons. The cynic in you and the strategist in you would say that he got picked up just so the Packers can learn a little bit about the Lions offense, maybe a little bit about the Lions defense. Fulham was obviously around the club for a year, and I have no doubt that that is part of why Green Bay made the move. But there's also this reality with the Packers, and you heard Mina Kimes and I talk about it a little bit on Monday's podcast, and I've mentioned it a few times. The Packers really don't have any receivers. They're very, very thin there behind Devontae Adams. Devin Funches opted out. And then beyond that, it's, it's a bunch of question marks. Although Alan Lazard, both Mina and I are pretty high on him. But then it's Valdez Scantling. And then beyond that, it's who knows. So if you're Travis Fulham and you see yourself going to Green Bay as a receiver, you have to feel decently good about your shot at possibly making the team... If you're worth your salt at all as an NFL receiver, so for Travis Fulham, this is a really good opportunity. This is a good chance. Frankly, it's probably a better opportunity than he would have had in Detroit, where the receiver spots were maybe one or two to come by. Period. As we know, who the three starters or three starters and three receiver sets are going to be in Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola, Quintez Cephas, this year's fifth round pick likely to hold down one of the spots as well. So then it's a logjam for one or two spots, depending what the team decides to do with Jamal Agnew, who's a converted cornerback. So I don't know where Travis Fulham could have made the roster on the Lions as it is presently constructed, but with the Packers, I think he's got a really good chance. So that's good for Travis Fulham as he goes forward here in the NFL and his NFL career. So, I wanted to touch on two stories that ran on ESPN.com on Monday. Neither one of them was written by me, but that's fine. Uh, one was written by Bill Barnwell, and it looks at teams that are expected to maybe improve the most in 2020, and they want we'll to look at another one by Scott Spratt that looks at all the NFL teams by their under 25 talent. We will get to both of those stories right after this break sunday sunday sundays are coming back in the nfl with nfl sunday ticket.tv you can stream every live out-of-market nfl game every sunday afternoon on your favorite devices plus red zone and direct tv fantasy zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players no matter where you live nfl sunday ticket.tv is your key To the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. And have you ever heard of DealDash.com? Well, if you've been listening to this podcast, you certainly have by now. But it's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never, ever believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every time it starts at $0, only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item. It's yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code Rothshow, that's R-O-T-H-S-H-O-W, or DealDash.fm backslash Rothshow, that's D E A L D A S H dot fm backslash Rothshow. And now back to our show. So as I said before the break, I wanted to hit on a couple of stories that ...popped up on ESPN today that I thought were super interesting. And the first one is about the under-25 talent. And one of the writers, Scott Spratt, rated every team in the NFL by their under-25 talent. The Lions, according to Spratt's ratings, were 18th last year in 2019. Some of the players that are no longer either on the team or have now over-25 are Sean Robinson who's now with the Rams, Tracy Walker, who's now over 20, 25 or over Jared Davis, who joins him at 25 or over and David Blau, who also joins him at 25 or over. So what does this look like for the lions? Well, first let's go through who the under 25 players are. And the lions have frankly, a pretty good amount of them. Although it's not entirely clear how many of them will end up being on the final roster. So, Who are we looking at? Well, the 21-year-olds, there are three of them. Hunter Bryant, the undrafted free agent rookie, tight end out of Washington. And then Detroit's top two draft picks, Jeff Okuda, the cornerback from Ohio State, and DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia. So those two right there, Okuda and Swift. And by the way, I think Bryant, if he makes the team, has a chance to end up having a sneaky good career. I like his pass-catching ability. I think his size is pretty decent for what the Lions are looking for. But Okuda and Swift... They're going to be on this list for the next few years. It wouldn't shock me if at least Okuda, if not both players, end up making kind of those best players under 25 lists sooner rather than later in their Detroit Lions tenures. So to me, that's a good start. But it's tough to gauge where they would fit overall and really help the Lions because in this particular instance because they haven't played an NFL game yet. They haven't even gone through an NFL practice yet. But based off of pure talent alone, that's a good place to start with two of the three youngest players on the Detroit Lions roster. The 22-year-olds, they're highlighted by third-round pick Julian Okwara, by fifth-round pick Quintez Cephas, by fifth-round pick Jason Huntley, and that's it. I mean, and you've got a couple of undrafted free agents in there as well. That's not a stellar group of 22-year-olds. Ty Johnson, also a 22-year-old running back, we didn't show a lot as a rookie, but we'll see how that goes. O'Quara, obviously, of that group, I think has the best chance to make an impact early on in his career. and. It's something that he might be forced to because right now the Lions are pretty low on defensive ends. He's probably the number two defensive end if you consider him with your hands down on the roster because his brother and Austin Bryant are both out with injury for the time being. But he's a guy that you can play him theoretically off the ball in a stand-up situation. You can play him on with his hand on the ground in a defensive end spot. So of those 22-year-olds, that guy is the most intriguing to me. Then you get to the 23-year-old, and that's where TJ Hawkinson fits in. Obviously, the Lions are expecting big things out of him this year in his second year, coming off of an injury-plagued rookie season, but he was their first-round pick last year, a top-ten pick last year. Jonah Jackson could end up starting a right guard for the Lions. He's a 23-year-old. on Johnson should form with DeAndre Swift a good tandem running back group so he's only 23 years old as well so that's a decent group of players at age 23 that could end up making some sort of impact Jelani Tavai last year's second round pick could end up being the team's starting middle linebacker he's only 23 years old so I think that that crop is okay it's some guys who are going to potentially make some sort of impact for the Lions, and frankly, in order for them to be any good this year, they need them to make impact. By the way, Logan Stenberg, the other guard drafted, also in that 23-year-old group. But of that group, you probably need Tavai and one of Jackson and Stenberg to really take the biggest steps forward, and then obviously beyond Hawkinson, who we talked about before. And the interesting thing here is that it's a pretty young tight end room if Hunter Brian is able to show something all of a sudden your tight ends might be 23 and 21 in Hawkinson and in Bryant and they have obviously Jesse James under contract and can't imagine that he's going to end up going anywhere then also by the way Isaac Nada who's the fourth tight end in that room also 23 years old so it's a young group and one that's theoretically ascending but the The tantalizing combination of potentially Hawkinson and Bryant as pass-catching tight ends for the Lions in the future, and I know that's projecting a bit on Bryant, but I'm really high on him, could be really enticing for the Lions going down the road. And the 24-year-olds, Deshaun Hand is in that group, Will Harris is in that group, Elijah Lee is in that group who signed with the Lions in free agency, Amani Awariah, the second-year corner, is in that group, and perhaps most importantly for Detroit, Starting center Frank Ragnow, who might be one of the top five centers in the NFL or getting close to that. He's certainly an ascending player, a guy who I expect will be a Pro Bowler before too long. I think if the Lions have a good year running the ball and are able to protect Matthew Stafford, it wouldn't shock me if Frank Ragnow gets some consideration for the Pro Bowl this year. Of course, who knows if a Pro Bowl will even happen. But he's the guy that right now, he's in the last year of this under 25 group is going to be a guy that I think is the, the key here and maybe the best player out of the gate right now. I think Okuda could end up surpassing him and we'll see what happens, but Ragnall I think is that good. So if you read Scott's analysis, he talks a lot more about kind of what happened last year and where some of these guys fit in. He talks a lot about the pass rush with Julian Okwara and he just... and. He, He basically says he Quarra, quote, could quickly add the size and strength to become a prototypical NFL pass rusher. He talks a little bit about Jeff Okuda and says, I quote, Okuda has the ideal physical traits to become a shutdown corner. And he really likes Deshaun Hand as well. And he thinks as, again, I'll quote, the Lions are poised for rapid defensive improvements. Offensively, he points that the Lions didn't need as much help, which is true. But we'll see what happens with Hawkinson and Smith. Or Swift, sorry, DeAndre Swift. Hawkinson obviously has so much potential. And everyone saw that, even though they took him... You know, there was questions about taking him that high. But he can get better as a pass blocker. We know he is a very good pass catcher. We know he is dynamic in the red zone. So if he learns more, and if he was able to learn more from year one to year two, even though he lost part of year one especially when it comes to the blocking piece and maybe some of the route running combined with the comfort that Stafford could have with him. I think there's a lot of potential here for TJ Hawkinson in year two. And then obviously we talked a little bit about Ragnall As Stapp mentions in his story, Ragnall blew, quote, just 2% of his blocks and allowed just one sack in 2019 You have to figure he will maybe get better this year, although he could end up having to really help whoever plays right guard if they go with a rookie instead of veterans, Kenny Wiggins or Ode'a Boucher. But if they go with a rookie, you might have to shade over more and help a little bit more, which could maybe hurt some of those numbers, but you have to understand what kind of the Lions would maybe be doing this year. So that's where they stand in the 25 and under situation and the 25 and under situation category. And the one other story I wanted to get to today, which I thought was super interesting for the Lions, is Bill Barnwell's story. Barnwell called the Lions one of the NFL teams most likely to improve this year. And the headline of the story is why the Cowboys Lions should win more games. So let's go to his Lions part of the story. Obviously, the Lions are three twelve and one last year. And He looks first at the fact that Matthew Stafford wasn't playing last year, which I think everyone understands, everyone knows. The Lions were worse with Matthew Stafford. Although he makes the argument that, and I'm quoting this, the gap between the Stafford Lions and the Lions who were led by a pair of replacement-level quarterbacks in David Blau and Jeff Driscoll wasn't quite, and he has that in italics, as big as it seems by their record. The Stafford Lions were a little lucky, and the non-Stafford Lions were more competitive than their record indicated. I would agree with that, uh, most, I, mostly from the standpoint of the Lions were more competitive than you thought without Matthew Stafford. Now, granted, they were playing some really poor teams without Matthew Stafford. But, and they had games they should have won and would have won had Matthew Stafford played. Obviously, Washington being the one that stands out the most. Maybe that second game against Green Bay at the end of the year. But they they hung in games, even with Driscoll, even with Blau. And yeah, I, I think that that's another reason why if you're the Lions, you're thinking that, yeah, maybe you can be a lot better because you saw what your team was doing they were coalescing a little bit even though they didn't have arguably the most talented player on their roster and at the most position most important position in the game throughout the year. So that's one thing. there's also as Barnwell looks at, really the law of averages. I, he doesn't say it like that, but I will where he just says they couldn't hold on to leads in the fourth quarter which we all know, they blew a lot of leads in the fourth quarter from week one on, which went from a win in Arizona that I think could have changed the entire tenor of the season to a tie in Kyler Murray's first game. That, to me, was a big, big kind of momentum killer. It was, as I described it at the time, a tie that felt like a loss, and you really sensed it after that, even though, obviously, the Lions came back, they won at Philly, and then They beat the Chargers. Obviously, the Chargers ended up not being so good last year. And they really took Kansas City and Green Bay really to the end. And obviously, we all know what happened at that first Green Bay game in Lambeau. And everything kind of spiraled from there. But yeah, I mean, you look at it and you say, yeah, they had a lot of bad luck. And it made me think of the 2016 season with the Lions, where the Lions had a ton of fourth-quarter comebacks that Matthew Stafford again and again led fourth quarter comebacks he's done that throughout his career but if you remember there were just so many in that season that helped get them to the playoffs and really what that did was this was last year was almost the reverse that it was they lost so many leads that could have gotten. listen they would have gotten the playoffs but they could have been a lot more respectable than they were now some of that goes to players some of that goes to conditioning some of that definitely goes to coaching especially week one which we all saw on the sidelines as it seemed like teams they were learning each other so you look at that and barnwell specifically points out the raiders game both packers games on the thanksgiving game against the bears the cardinals game and the game against washington and the game against kansas city that's a lot of games as kind of the ones that turned so What has that meant in the future, right? So he puts together a chart where basically looks at the teams with, I guess, the worst fourth quarter slash overtime wins per average. And the Lions last year were minus 4.18. And the wins the next year plus one, which is the 2020 wins, teams have improved greatly for the most part when you look at it, including a 7.5 win swing for the Browns in 17, a seven win swing for the Texans in 2013. Only one team, two teams, sorry, on that list, the 2010 Browns and the 2011 Eagles, had negative wins from the year before. So that's another reason to potentially believe if you're a Lions fan to why Detroit might be better in 2020 than they were in 2019. They should, in theory, also have an easier schedule this year by benefit of finishing last in the division. FPI has them projected as the fifth easiest schedule in the league, although this year, to me, all of that could be bunked because of everything with COVID, from not really having fans in the stands to different travel situations to, obviously, potential COVID outbreaks. There's just so many unknowns there that... I just think even more this year than other years, it's really tough to predict who might be good and who might be bad in a lot of ways just because of things that can happen. To me, the biggest thing that could keep the Lions from improving is their lack of pass rush, and as we've talked about on this podcast a bunch, still not sold on that pass rush until I actually see it be productive in games. Now, granted, some of that is due to Matt Patricia's scheme and what he likes to do, But I'm not not there yet, and without a pass rush, you got a rookie corner in Jeff Okuda, and you're asking him to do a lot really early, potentially, if you're asking him to play a lot of man and have to keep up with some of these bigger receivers and, and faster receivers, and just that adjustment in general could be a major problem for Detroit's defense. And I think the other thing, and Mina and I hit on it a little bit on Monday, is coaching. And Matt Patricia is 922 and 1 as a coach. He's still lauded as a defensive mind, but you have to wonder where things are going to go and how they're going to go. And and so far from what you've seen from Matt Patricia as a head coach, it hasn't been very positive. So, where will he grow as a coach in his third year? Will he grow as a coach? Obviously, he has a first-year defensive coordinator who may or may not be calling plays but in Corey Undlin. but Patricia, even if Undlin does end up calling plays, is going to have a major influence there. Obviously, offense looks like it's in really good shape, but I can't tell you how many times I've watched teams and said, entering a season, yeah, I feel really good about this one side of the ball and not as good about the other, and it ends up being reversed by the end of the year. Even in my eight years or so covering the Lions, it's been like that a few times. But you look at, the offense and if they're healthy i think they've got a lot of potential there and that to me is where i pin a lot of potential success and any sort of dramatic increase for the lions on the offense being a top 10 unit that could be particularly special i want to thank as always my sponsors for this show deal dash and nfl sunday ticket bet online Regions Field in Ann Arbor, and obviously Blue Wire for hosting us. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mike Rothstein. Pretty excited about tomorrow's episode where we'll have a little bit of a special surprise for you at the beginning of it, and hopefully it's something you will enjoy both on ESPN.com and on this podcast. And with that, we will talk to you tomorrow. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of Sports Bet Online, sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champion Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling a pandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your needs and up-to-date sports news remember to use the promo code blue wire to receive your new welcome bonus that's a promo code BlueWire. BetOnline, bet online your online wagering experts